Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for your glory, and we give thanks that we hear your word, that we cannot, that we should not be afraid. We give you thanks that your glory enlightens our hearts and minds and sets us free to be people who bear your peace, your healing, your reconciliation into the world around us in faith that you bless the way of your servants. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I want to share with you at the beginning here about a man who is very important to me who died this week, a brother of the Order of the Holy Cross named Roy Parker. I've been going to Holy Cross Monastery for going on five decades, and he was there across every one of those decades. He was a brother for 44 years a priest for 54, and he died at 87. And when I got the news of his death, really the first thing in my heart was, good for you, Roy. He's one of those people I see having a pretty seamless transition into the full presence of God, in that he's been an intimate of God for a very long time, so they know each other. God's love is the same. Some of us come as strangers, and some of us come as intimates, Roy, I think, slid right in there, because he was this lovely, transparent man, full of this gentle, sweet, kind, loving presence, quiet, but very pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. That's what I think of when I think of Brother Roy, because he blessed me growing up as a young man seeking images of manhood, ish, images of masculinity that would work better for me as someone who loved Jesus, as someone who wanted a full emotional life set free by God's love, and I could see that in him. He was the calligrapher for Holy Cross, and you'll see a lot of his calligraphy around our parish house because I always bring it back. And some of them are so beautiful. One of my all-time favorites is from the rule of the order. Love must act. Love must act as light must shine and fire must burn. He also has that other gorgeous one. The glory of God is the human person fully alive. The glory of God is the human person fully alive. And they just go on and on and seek them out and find them in the parish house. We don't have his funnier ones. <laughs> we don't have his funnier ones like um, drink coffee, do stupid things faster and with more energy. <laughs> and my all-time favorite, you can smoke here, but you better be on fire. <laughs> next time I'll bring those back for the parish hall too so I'm celebrating this life of Roy Parker on Transfiguration Sunday because 
The glory of God was in him, and through a life of dedication and devotion and sacrifice, he became more and more transparent to the God who enlightened his life. And near the end, I felt he was kind of a thin tissue, just full of the light that was pouring into him from God. There was very little obstacle left, very little resistance left, very little shadow left, so that his life really pointed to the God he knew. God's glory was just there on the other side, filling up his life. And that's where I want to go with our sermon today. That's where I want to go with the word today, is what is transfiguring us, and how are we being transfigured by grace to become so thin in ego, so thin in attachments, so thin in distraction, so thin in obstacles, that that light of Christ is what people experience in us. Thank God for Roy Parker. Thank God for anyone who shows us how far we have yet to go towards that thinness with God. This week we had a really interesting confluence of 20th century saints, mid-20th century saints. This week we celebrated the saint day of Eric Liddell. You know him probably from the movie Chariots of Fire. If you don't, please go home and watch Chariots of Fire with your family. Eric Liddell was a Scottish runner who famously was on the British team for the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And he gave up a chance for the gold medal in the 100 meters, which he was favored to win, because the heat leading up to the final was on the Sabbath. He sacrificed his gold medal, a major ambition of his life, so that he could worship that day the God he called Lord. And indeed, he was in church and not at the heat. He did go on to win the 400, which he was not expected to win. One of his trainers slipped him a Bible verse right before he ran. And this encouragement lit him up, and he won. One of his famous quotes is, When I run, I feel God smiling. He was a runner, an athlete, an evangelist, and a missionary. His life took him to China, which is actually where he'd been born. And he served the people of China all through World War II until he landed in a Japanese internment camp near the end of the war. And this was a brutal, desperate environment, a squalid environment where the inmates turned against each other to survive. And he was said to be a force for humanity in that desperate environment. He was a one-man YMCA. He set up games, he set up sports, he set up projects, he set up learning experiences, all so folks under tremendous threat and stress could retain their humanity, retain their humanity, keep their solidarity. Famously, the wealthier interned people once got a black market shipment of eggs 
and little confronted them and got them to share it with all the inmates, shaming them into doing the right thing. Sadly, he died in that camp, and the great 20th century theologian Langdon Gilkey, who was also in that camp, said of him, I never knew that I would meet an actual saint in my life, yet there one was. And his last words as he died were, it is all submission. The Amen, right? Very good. We, you baptize them and they get right into it. It's great. That's what we like to have at St. Martin's. Um, the other saint, for this week was Sophia Scholl. Sophia Scholl was um, in her late teens and early 20s during the rise of Nazism in Germany. And her older brother, Hans, uh, started this thing called the White Rose Resistance Movement. Oftentimes when we think of Nazi Germany, we think of the totalitarian state uh, that locked everybody down and there was no resistance. But these two, out of their Christian convictions, they were both in very intentional Roman Catholic people. Out of that teaching, they learned the importance of resisting for the sake of humanity, for the sake of God's dream for God's people. And Sophia Scholl and her brother Hans put their lives on the line against this totalitarian machine. And they resisted with their friends at university. And by our standards, a mild resistance. They handed out pamphlets against the war. They handed out pamphlets against fascism. For this, they were tried for treason. And at the age of 21, Sophia was executed by the German state. Here are her last words, which I think are worth sharing. She said, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give himself up individually to a righteous cause? I'm going to read that again because I think it speaks to our time. How can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give himself up individually to a righteous cause? And then she went on, and this was February 22nd. Such a fine sunny day, and I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? So I bring up Eric Little and I bring up Sophia Scholl to celebrate their lives along with Roy Parker, because in these people we see the vivid life and light of God and its work of bringing humanity out of the depths back into life in places of great danger and want. And we can learn from them. We can get excited by them. We too can have a faith deep enough to do these sorts of things. It's crucial to celebrate them for me on Transfiguration Sunday because these people of faith tell us something about the Transfiguration. See, this wonderful experience of the glory of God on a high mountain where we see that Jesus is an intimate of God, indeed the Son of God, along with 
Moses and Elijah, the great lawgiver, the great prophet of God, in continuity with their work, and maybe the fulfillment or the completion of it, we could stay up there with that celebration and that joyful revelation, yet to follow the Roy's and the Sophie's and the Eric's, we must know that the story does not end there. If the story were to stop with the blissful contemplation, the radiant light, the mountaintop, I'm not sure they or we would have everything we need to do the following of Christ we're called to do. We need this radiant moment of consolation, and we need to follow it onward to another hilltop with a cross on it and another hillside with an empty tomb in it. We must go from this radiance to see that the glory of God also includes the cross. And the glory of God also includes the tomb and the empty tomb. This, I believe, is what equipped the saints I celebrate today with what they needed to do what they did. How did they have the courage? How did they have the confidence? Because of what they knew about their God and the secure relationship they had with that God. They knew that the glory of God was in the cross, showing us how committed God is to God's children. The glory of God was in the cross, showing us the damage we do when humans try to live without God. The glory of God was in the cross, teaching us that we are called to confront all the powers of this world which crush and destroy human life. The glory of God is in the empty tomb, telling us that God will not let death separate us from God, telling us and teaching us of God's unbreakable commitment to those who follow in the way of Christ. Knowing what they knew, they could follow into danger. They could live their faith as a calling to risk in the name of Christ. They also knew, they also knew that God is not confined or more present in one space than another. God isn't only in the mountaintop, God is in the valley. God isn't in the celebration alone, but also in the morning. God isn't only with achievement, but God is also in the failure. That God is with us in the church and in the prison when we are imprisoned for righteousness' sake. God is with us in our prayers, and God is with us in the picket line when we're on the side of peace and justice and hope. God is not extra piled up someplace, but God is equally present and whole and available wherever God's work is being done, and so we can go there, and we can be in God, doing the work of Christ, 
in the security of that relationship, just like Roy and Eric and Sophia. Amen.